are in a new series called Every Day. If you're on social media, it's hashtag Every Day. Uh, if you want sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc and we'll get that to you. So this sermon series is about being intentional in how you live your life. To live your life intentionally, you have to have a daily plan. When our time is up, will we be able to say, and will you be able to say, the life I have lived was fruitful, generous, and fulfilling one, because I was intentional about living it every day for God and his glory. I hope you can. Every day we live is a gift from God, and in this first sermon of the series, we'll talk about the value of each day and the cumulative effects of consistency. Now, if you uh, Google commute, 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 cumulative effects, you're going to get a lot of um, information about the environments and uh, global warming and all that other stuff. Uh, I won't share my thoughts about that at this point, but There is another uh, definition of that. It's about increasing or becoming better or worse over time through a series of additions, including or adding together all the things that came before. So there's examples of cumulative effects, both positive and negative, that happen in our lives. Let me me give you one. Uh, One of them is finances. If you have run up debts on credit cards, there is a negative cumulative effect. Do you know that the average credit card debts per household is nearly $16,000? I see average. That's the average. On the other hand, if you have been wise with your money, and you've lived within your means, you have saved, and and you have invested, there is a positive cumulative effect. Uh, Business Insider talks about the power of compound interest and says, at the beginning of age 25, if you saved $5,000 per year, which comes to about $417 per month, You set that aside. At an annual percentage rate of 7%, you'd end up with over $1,142,000 by the time you reach 65. How many of you would like $1.142 million at 65? I know I would, right? There is community... Whatever, effects. See if, I'm going to call it see effects from now on, man. I just stumbled up. See effects on health. Uh, there's some advice on small changes you can make that healthcare professionals suggest. They suggest you taking the stairs. Now I know in Wayne County, there aren't too many stairs around here. Uh, but I know when I'm, uh, I'm a chaplain at the, at the hospital, and uh, whenever I'm there, I always take the stairs. Uh, so that's, that's healthy for you. They, they, talk, they encourage about not, uh, not eating late at night. Um, I, uh, I went to Taco Bell with, with Adam, our media director here, a while back. And we were at Taco Bell. Uh, it's about 11.30. 11.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.30, 12.
12 o'clock at night. Listen, I'm on the verge of 40, okay? It's, not, it's right on the horizon. And I woke up about 4 in the morning, and I thought I was hungover. I felt so bad eating Taco Bell at midnight. I said, well, how do you know what a, hung, what a hangover feels like? Listen, man, we all have some BC days, right, before Christ, all right? And, uh, <clears throat> and so... You know, when in college, man, I mean, I would be eating Papa John's pizza at 2 in the morning. And I would be sleeping until 10, and I was all good, you know. But uh, when you get older, you can't eat uh, late at night like you used to, especially spicy stuff. <clears throat> they encourage you to cut your sugar intake. That's why I drink half and half tea. Especially around here, you need a toothbrush after you drink some sweet tea. They encourage you to rest 7 to 9 hours of, sl- hours of sleep. I have not seen seven to nine hours of sleep in about nine years, but that's what they encourage you. They encourage you to order salad dressing on the sides. That's another one I don't do too well. I mean, I just dump it all on there. And, uh, and I, you know, I dump a lot of ranch dressing on there, but I drink water, so it kind of evens it out there. I don't grab a Coke. <clears throat> they encourage you to walk. And stop driving around the parking lot 20 minutes looking for a, the closest parking spice. Did some of you do that? My wife and I are different in that area. She will drive around several times to find the closest spot. We're taking several minutes to do that. Me, on the other hand, I will park in Timbuktu and just go, for, go walk. Just go walk. I thought that joke was going to be a lot more funnier. It just totally flopped. That's okay. Uh, and they also, they also encourage you to plan some quiet time, to meditate. And, uh, man, sometimes, like, I really enjoy being around people, but I need my space as well. I'm kind of an extrovert, introvert, and uh, definitely need some time to just kind of sit, out, sit, sit aside by myself. But think about the C effects that could happen in relationships Think about the small things that could happen that you could do in your marriage, in your parenting, in your friendships, that if you did after uh, a while, the positive effects that would come out of that. Think about your career, the daily practices that lead to career success. The reason this sermon series will be valuable is because it is calling us to realize the importance of small seemingly insignificant things. We don't value a day oftentimes because we expect it tomorrow. We don't value a nickel because of the $5 bill in our pockets. But what if we caught a hold of the principle that little things matter? Everyday things matter. If you don't believe me, Bring some flowers to your wife this week. Take your lunch break and bring a pizza to your kid's school and have lunch with them there. Watch how their eyes light up. Pick up a bridge devotional and spend time with Jesus every day this week. I guarantee you, if you keep on being intentional with the little things, they will add up. And in this series, we'll deal with positive daily practices that lead to a spiritual life lived well. We got any golf players in here? 
two. <laughs> we got any people that try to play golf in here? Yeah, a lot more of those. Yeah, that's me, man. Uh, sir, I'm sure many of you have, have heard of Gary Player. Gary Player is a retired South African professional golfer, widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the history of golf. Get this, over his career, Player accumulated nine major championships on the regular tour and six major champion championship victories, as well as three senior British Open championships. At the age of 29, 29, Player won the 1965 U.S. Open and became the only non-American to win all four majors known as the Career Grand Slam. Player has won 165 tournaments on six continents over six decades and was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 1974. Did I mention that he's 5'6", 150 pounds? There's hope for me. <laughs> they asked him one time, they asked him, how did you get so good? You know what his response was? He said, the more I practiced, the luckier I got. The more I practiced, the luckier I got. You know, oftentimes we look at people who are in great health. They have successful careers. They have a great marriage. They have respectful kids. And we think, Man, how lucky are they? How lucky are they? But truth be told, the majority of them realize that small things matter. They lived intentionally and valued every day. And instead of luck, I believe it's often because people reap what they sow, which is a biblical teaching that we read throughout scripture you know they took care of their bodies in their 30s and continued to live a healthy lifestyle in their 50s is that luck they worked hard in their career field and, and they didn't take shortcuts and so they have been successful you know often in our society we just expect things to be handed to us i guarantee you that's not how your grandma and grandpa lived. They, they pursued their spouse regularly, and, and they put their spouse's needs ahead of their own. And, and they didn't live a, a, a selfish life. Uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't look at their marriage as a, a selfish marriage, but, but as selfless. And they gave, them, they gave it themselves. And, and they spent time with their kids. And, and, and when discipline needed to happen, it was Effective because there is a relationship already established. Do you realize that when it comes to your kids, when you discipline, if there's no relationship, that's often going to lead to rebellion. So that's really not luck. It's, it's being intentional. It's taking the time to pursue those people that mean so much. So today we're going to look at Joshua 14, and if you have your Bibles or you have your phone, you turn your app on to uh, Joshua 14. Uh, those of you that uh, maybe are new to church, 
There is an awesome Bible app uh, called uh, Uversion that you can download for free, and, and it's got several versions. And we're going to focus on Joshua 14, 6 through 14. I'm going to be in the NIV. Whatever version you have is fine. And we're going to be talking about how Hebron is given to Caleb. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit here. You have Israel is in the wilderness. And Moses sends out 12 men to spy on the land. Men come back, and most of them are in fear. They're living in fear. And so what they do is they give a false report because they're scared about trying to overtake the land. And Joshua and Caleb are the only ones who had faith in God, that God would answer. All right, they're the, he's the only one. They're the only ones. And they're also the only ones that enter the promised land. To put this in perspective, there was most likely over a million people, a million Israelites that died in the desert that didn't see the promised land. Scripture says that there were over 600,000 men which is probably not including the women and children. So think of all the people that died in the wilderness that did not enter the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb do. So Israel has, is, has conquered the land, and they're conquering more territory that God has promised. And so what they're doing is they're dividing up the lands amongst the leaders. Pastor Greg Addison gave a message one time titled, Finishing Well in Life Through Consistency. Finishing Well in Life Through Consistency. And he made some great points, and I want to share a few of those with you today, and I've also added some of my thoughts as well. In Caleb's journey, we see the same challenges to consistency that we face in our daily lives. And the first part I want to touch on is challenges to building consistency. So we have fears, frustration, failures, and foes. All right. So let me read this verse here in Joshua where Hebron is given to Caleb, starting in verse 6. It says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgah, and Caleb's son of Jespuna, the Kezanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers went up with me, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. 
Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Nalekites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Japuna, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Japuna, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, God of Israel, wholeheartedly. So let's go to this first, first point, the challenges to building consistency. Consistency is not easy. It is hard to live a, cons- a consistent life because you have everything that's going against you. When you're trying to be salt and light to a world that doesn't care about Jesus and you're trying to live for Jesus, it's not going to be easy. If you've been a Christian for a long time and you said, man, it's been a cakewalk, you got to really get in the game. Because I'm telling you what, I've been a believer for, for nearly 15 years, and it's been the hardest 15 years of my life. But it's also been the most rewarding and most fulfilling as well. So to live a consistent life, there's challenges that you're going to face. There's going to be fears. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be failures, and there's going to be foes. There's going to be fears. In verse 8, it says that my brethren made the heart of the people melt. So the spies that went out with Joshua and Caleb, you know, were supposed to be for the Lord. And, and, and they saw and they heard how God had brought them out of Egypt. And yet, they go spy the land and they're fearful and, and they bring false reports to the rest of the people. So they will be scared and so they won't go. Because these spies don't want to go, and they don't want to risk their life. You know, there's people that we know who live in fear. And because they live in fear, they, they just want everyone else to live in fear as well. Do you, do you know those kind of people? There's frustrations that happen in life. You know, here Caleb was in the desert all those years. And I wondered if he wondered if he was ever if it was ever going to happen. But he had faith. He had faith. There's failures. There's failures. There's, you know, Israel wandered in the wilderness. You think about how many times did they fail and how discouraging was that to a man of faith such as Caleb? You know, here Caleb is is trying to, to be strong for the Lord, and, and he's surrounded by all these fears. You know, sometimes we focus on our failure, and we have the mindset that, why even bother? Why even bother to change? Because, 
This is the way things have always been. This is the way that I have been. And why change? Do you get in that mindset sometimes? It's easy for us to, to think that way. And there's foes. In, in verse 13, it says that the Anakites and inhabitants of the, the lands and their cities were their cities were large and fortified, it said. You know, it's not easy when there are people in your life who hate you and everything that you stand for. That's not easy to live that kind of life. Next point is, is there's character for building consistency. Love for the Lord, passion in his purpose, and faith in God's promises. There's a character building. You know, Caleb loved God, and God loved Caleb. Listen, you can't live for God if you don't realize how much God loves you. You can't do it. You can't do it. You know, you can't serve the Savior if you don't have a personal relationship with the Savior. You can't serve the Savior if you don't have a personal relationship with the Savior. And that's why maybe it's frustrating for a lot of you. You know, just because you grew up in church doesn't mean that you're safe. Just because mom and dad had a personal saving relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that you have one. Listen, God doesn't have grandchildren, all right? You have to make the decision yourself. And when you love and serve God day in and day out, when tough times come, guess what you're most likely going to do? Serve God. When you serve God day in and day out, when the fires come, when the valleys come, when the trials come, you're going to continue to serve God. Let's read verse 10, the, the second half there. It says, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Man, how awesome is that? How many of us do, you, do, do want that? You know, the same passion and vigor that you, that you have right now. To have that at 85 years old. I want that, man. Listen, listen I want to go out. I want to go out still swinging. <clears throat> I want to continue to fight for what is true and right and good. And that's the gospel. If I'm ever on my deathbed in my house or hospital... I want to share the gospel with my few final breaths, with my loved ones and, and any nurses, any caretakers that are around that bed. 
And I want to lead him to Jesus before I take my last breath. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to live. What about God's promises? How many times did Caleb go into battle with fearlessness because he remembered the promises of God? And he lived a consistent life day in and day out. And he had a sea effect in his life. When you know God is with you and for you, you can endure just about anything in this life. You know, there's people that we know that, uh, that are really going through a tough time right now. And, and, and we think to ourselves, like, man, like, I can't imagine going through something like that. But maybe they have Jesus and their perspective and their take on how things are going are a little bit different than how someone else would go through it. The next one is crowns for building consistency. There are, there are rewards that we are accumulating in this lifetime. No one can get into heaven by the works that they do. Scripture tells us that. But there are rewards. There's examples for others to follow. That's, that's a reward in itself. There's, there's promises to enjoy forever. There's blessings to extend to your family when you live a consistent life and when you value every day. Caleb was successful where others were not. He conquered the land while other tribes did not. He, he crossed over to the promised land when others died in the desert. <clears throat> Caleb reaped all the rewards promised to him because he lived for God. And in verse 14, it says that the inheritance belonged to Caleb ever since. God said he would give you life to the fullest, right? He did not say that he would give you a pain-free life. But if you keep the faith, it will all be worth it. God gives us glimpses of his beauty here on earth. But I'm telling you what, gang, we haven't seen nothing yet until we see the face of God forever. Listen, there's things in this life that take your breath away. I remember when my firstborn, Graydon, when, when he came out for the first time, and any, any dads that are in the room that were there for your child's first birth, it was an emotion I've never felt before. I was laughing. I was crying. I was rejoicing. I had never experienced anything in my life like that. And do you know that if you have a saving relationship with Jesus, when you come face to face, your breath will be taken away forever. You will be so caught up in his glory and his goodness. You take every 
joyful moments that has ever happened to you in your life, and you wrap it up into one emotion, and it won't even compare to what heaven's going to be like forever. It's going to be awesome, man. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to experience that. Because of Caleb's consistency, his family is blessed. His family is blessed. The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, in verse 9. So what's your legacy going to be? You're writing it right now. We, we don't get to like 70 and say, okay, my legacy starts now. Most likely, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will live for what you're living for right now. What you invest in. Do you, do you, do you invest in his church? Because if, if you don't and, and, you know, you just come, you know, once every six months or once every few months, then you're setting that pattern for your kids. What you value now is what your kids will value. There's a call to consistency. You know, we prove to God and others how much we love him by living a consistent life. Caleb lived a consistent life. And there's a community see effect. There's a see effect that is still felt today because Caleb lived a consistent life. We're feeling the effects of what was important to Caleb today. You know what? We write our own eulogy. We write our own eulogy, and we're writing it right now. Consistency doesn't mean anything if you're not living for Christ. You know, there's a lot of things that you can be consistent on. You can be consistent on keeping a clean house. You can be consistent about going to the gym. You can be consistent on always giving to a local organization. You can be consistent on a lot of things that are good, but maybe don't have eternal value. Consistency doesn't mean anything if you're not living for Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, As God's partners, we beg you, not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, and we're quoting from Isaiah 49, 8 here, at just the right time I heard you. 
On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We have to make every day count because today may be the only day that you have. And in Proverbs 27, 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. You know, tomorrow is never promised. And we're going to be spending this series here this next month, and just want to want to give you an overview of what else we're going to be covering here. Next week, Sermon 2, we're going to be talking about living every day as a committed ambassador of Christ. What actions will I take? The messages will I send? People will I serve today in an effort to demonstrate and reflect Christ in the world today? Thanksgiving week. Dude, that's two weeks from this Thursday. Can you believe that? Man, it's nuts. Thanksgiving week. By the, de- by the way, we will not have service on Thanksgiving. If you want to come, feel free to have one in the parking lot. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in a turkey and gravy coma watching football. But week three, living every day with a good attitude. What is your perspective on life? We all need a review on that one, I'm sure. I know I need to. A few other topics we'll cover is living every day to grow. What am I doing to grow spiritually, personally, and relationally? Living every day to be healthy. What does God say about taking care of my body and obeying that? Maybe we should talk about that one right after Thanksgiving. I'm not sure. Living every day by my core values. What am I committed to? What are my priorities and why? Here's what I want to conclude with. Let's talk just a little bit about the power of regret. Because regret is a painful emotion. And many of us have regret in our lives right now. And and we're having a hard time overcoming the regrets of the past. I came across this by Grace Blue Rock. It's the nine most common regrets people have at the end of their life. Number one, I wish I had been more loving to the people who matter the most. Many of us treat our friends, our co-workers great, and we're not very loving to the people in our own house. Number two, I wish I had been a better spouse, a parent, or a child. Number three, I wish I had not spent so much time working. Work hard, man. Work hard. Earn your wage. That's biblical. But don't let life consume you. Don't let work consume you. Uh, You know, on my calendar... uh, if, something, if something's on my calendar, it gets done. So um, what I've had to put recently is, is family time on my calendar, to schedule family time to make sure that that happens. And uh, my, my day's off. I get a half a day off on Friday, and, and I try to get a full day on Saturday. Uh, if you call me on Saturday, unless you're dying, I ain't going to pick up. Just, just letting you know that. It's my, t- my, my time with my family. 
Number four, I wish I had taken more risks. I wish I had taken more risks. Think about some of you maybe 10, 20 years ago, you had an opportunity to take a risk, and you didn't. That doesn't mean that you have to live in that regret. Number five, I, I wish I had been happier in, and enjoyed life more. Man, we get so, and I'm guilty as anybody, we get so worked up about the smallest things in life. Number six, I wish I had lived my own dream. I wish I had lived my own dream, not a dream that someone wanted for me. Number seven, I wish I had taken better care of myself. Number eight, I wish I had, would have done more for others. I wish I had done more for others and not lived such a selfish life. You know, and I got all this stuff. But do you have deep friendships? Do you have memories? Number nine, I wish I'd chosen work that was meaningful for me. I wish I had chosen work that was meaningful for me. You know, your greatest regret will be your rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life if you haven't made that decision yet. The wisest decision, the wisest action you will ever take is to surrender your life to Christ. Please listen. You can't change the past. You can't. You can't change the past, and only God can change your present. Where your faith lies now, Sunday, November 6, 2016, where your faith lies now will determine your future here on earth and for eternity. It's not too late to change. It's not too late to take a look at the little things and realize how important they are. It's not too late to value every day that the Lord puts breath in your lungs. It's not too late to change, but you can't change unless there is a heart change within you. You can't change. You cannot change on your own without the power of Christ, without the Holy Spirit, God's very presence in your life, empowering you to live a life he's called you to live. Are you ready for that? Let's, let's, let's take this together, man. Let's take this journey together and let's live every day in fullness of Christ and with Christ. Let's pray.